What is going on you guys, Vikram Prasher here and this is another episode of the Dropkick Podcast. Uh, much like our conversation with the wrestling classic Justin Dillon, we have decided to split up our interview with Diana Hartsmith into two parts because it was an amazing, long, and in-depth conversation. And when we started rolling, we thought, it's so damn good, we didn't want to stop. So this is part one. Part two will be out later this week. So make sure you guys enjoy. Thank you so much for watching. And stay tuned for part two. Before we start this interview, I want to quickly mention that Russell Merch Central has partnered up with Georgia Smith to bring you British Bulldog merch. They have cups, hoodies, t-shirts, and more. Please make sure to go check out www.russellmerchcentral.com. Also, while you're at it, check out the new website of the British Bulldog himself. Harry Smith and Georgia Smith have come up with a website that talks about British Bulldog's workout schedule, his diet, and much more. You can also follow the British Bulldog's official page on social media, on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. On Instagram, it's at the British Bulldog Davy Boy Smith. On Twitter, it's underscore Davy Boy Smith. And lastly, on Facebook, the British Bulldog. Go help support this legend's legacy. Absolutely. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the episode of Dropkick Podcast. I'm Daniel. This is Vikram. And today we have a very special guest. She's an author. She's a wrestling personality. She's a member of the Hart family. And she is the wife of the late great British Bulldog and part of the Hart family. Please welcome Diana Hartsmith. How, How are you, you doing, doing today? today, Diana? I'm well. I'm really well. Thanks. Thanks for yeah. having me on the show. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, so how has the whole uh, quarantine thing been for you? Oh, gosh. It's been... Uh, uh, I, I kind of feel like I'm under house arrest. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <for sure>. well, <laughs> I'm lucky that I haven't gotten sick. Uh, mm -hmm. and no one I know has gotten sick, so that's... You know, it's hard, yeah, absolutely. But um, it's just, you know, no work and mm -hmm. um, not really. It, it, I, I, I am struggling with it though. Um, mm -hmm. yeah. The Hall of Fame was something I was looking forward to so much because Davey was going to be inducted, and absolutely, it's like he's graduated, but he hasn't walked across the. Uh, the stage, the stage right. yeah it's not like it it was taken away from him but it the event was going to happen in tampa uh, just preceding wrestlemania in and um it would have been just uh it would have been an incredible it would have been amazing right yeah absolutely we mm -hmm. lived i used to live in tampa and my kids still live there and mm -hmm. it, it is a second home for for me, I guess it's their home now, but mm -hmm. uh, we could have had a, it, it would have been just a wonderful time, but uh, it didn't happen, and uh, worse. But hey, I think I think we're gonna get it eventually, and I think when this whole thing ends, you know, I think it'll happen for sure, and you know, it'll be great. Like I can't wait to see that happen. You yeah. know, especially yeah, a big fan of the British Bulldog, Vikram and I. But yeah, it's gonna sure. be a great day. Absolutely. And, and yeah, like like how you said, you're struggling with it. Um, that's very brave to come out about because I feel like a lot of us are all struggling with it. Mm -hmm. Like like it's tough to be in our houses for like this long, like with not much to do. Things we're all looking forward to, like like it's tough. But I think as long as we all stick together, we all try our best to have a positive mindset. I think we can power through for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I. I. Um. The uncertainty of it uh, is hard for me to just take in, I guess. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's mm -hmm. when I know, like, oh, well, you know, whatever, you know, your uh, probation period is going to be over at this time. Or right. you're, you're, uh, you just have to wait, you know, three months before you get the cast off or you need to do... Uh, you know, stick to these things and at the end of, you know, six months of a diet or mm -hmm. whatever, but there's no uh, certainty 
here. Like, I don't know when this is going to Nobody yeah. does. Um, so you just, it's hard to make, make definitive plans. Um, you know, I don't know when I'll see my kids. It's mm-hmm. luckily for things like Skype, you know. Yeah. But I think the idea of it, well, not the idea, the fact that it is out of my control. Like mm-hmm. maybe I hadn't seen my kids in in a few months, oh, wow. but mm-hmm. it was because I was waiting for uh, the Hall of Fame or I was waiting for uh, summer or something. Mm-hmm. Now it's like I'm just waiting for something. Just waiting uh, to the end, yeah. Yeah, and nobody mm-hmm. knows. So the uncertainty of it is it, it's it's hard. It's hard, hard to, to know just how to, uh, yeah. How to how to deal with, mm-hmm. with uh, but you know it's so much out of my control. But I guess things that are in my control are are just um, you know trying to to uh, keep uh, healthy. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, you know, so I don't get sick. I mean, that would that's a big thing I can. Uh, mm-hmm. Anyway, just. It's just. Oh, uh, you got a cat? Yes, this is Rocky. <laughs> oh wow! Wow. Rocky's a uh-huh. feral cat from from uh, Tampa. Oh wow! Uh-huh. I think uh, he's TJ, my boy. Yeah, TJ also has a cat. Yeah. Natty and TJ. Yep. Yeah. They have a bunch of cats. Yeah. Has, Natty loves cats. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. All, uh, I think if you're not a cat lover and as well an animal lover, it, who doesn't love cats? Right. <laughs> I yeah. know. I, I, uh, I adore them. I, the, I'm, mm. uh, I am not their equal. <laughs> they're <laughs> a higher level than I am. I, mm-hmm. I, well, they, they don't get stressed out over <laughs> things that, and that's, mm-hmm. and they do know. Someone might Absolutely. challenge me on that and say they don't know, but they know more than. Of course, they're uh, special creatures, but um. Are. Speaking of the Hart family a little bit, um, what were your favorite memories growing up? Ah, geez. There were, it was a, a great, uh, a great upbringing. Um, mm-hmm. It was like Ichigo Park. There's this whole song called Ichigo Park. I mm-hmm. don't remember who sings it now, but um, just about animals and the uh, free feeling, like freedom and mm-hmm. We, we grew up on a, a farm-like uh, uh, setting. It's beautiful. It's so, so unique, though. I mean, for sure, yeah. It's a different time. That my dad had uh, a vision of of. Uh, I mean, it was in a very it was a very elaborate mm-hmm. home to start with. But then when my dad got it in 1952, he started to put the fix it up and put leaded glass in the window, you know, get mm-hmm. leaded glass from Montreal that he s- saw somewhere. <laughs> he liked to recycle things like, uh, of course. He, you know, if he mm-hmm. saw it in an old building that was getting refinished or torn down right. you know, get as much stuff as he could, because he would see the, the beauty and purpose in it to put mm-hmm. it in his own house that he loved. It was like, an extension of the family. Mm-hmm. We had the, the farm animals that we had two milking cows and uh, some chickens and mm-hmm. a rooster and some goats and uh, a really nice vegetable, uh, huge vegetable, mm-hmm. huge. And then, um, I mean, when you have a big family like that, I mean, it, you can expect things like that. So that's that's always really cool to hear stories about. Yeah, we were uh, ahead of our time, even though mm-hmm. we were maybe considered uh, weird. But, you know, people, if they could grow their own vegetables now or have uh, a milking cow in their yard, mm-hmm. milking, that, that, and that was why we had goats. Um, my sister Ellie was lactose intolerant, which no one had heard of at that back in the mm-hmm. mid-50s. And... Um, she was the first girl after five boys. So we had, oh, wow. My dad was quite concerned that his uh, little, you know, baby girl was kept getting sick. Mm-hmm. After, um, you know, after she started drinking milk, milk. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, someone said, why don't you get 
teach a couple of goats and try the goat's milk because it's a different right. kind of milk and mm -hmm. that worked. So we had this really, really neat, uh, we could enjoy animals and, and there were wild animals that came through the, the yard, deer, mm -hmm. and porcupines and coyotes and right. uh, moose. Uh, and we had the wrestlers, which was uh, a really, it always characters you know they're, mm -hmm. and uh they're who, who would show up though sometimes what's that who would show up though like on the farm oh, or whatever um, uh andre the giant he oh was, wow wow he's he pretty was, cool uh, he'd come up uh to calgary a few times a year but, and mm -hmm. uh, i remember him coming actually coming to the house oh, waiting, wow. he was waiting for my dad and owen and i had that was when we first met him. He was sitting in the living room. Mm -hmm. He was scary. Like, I was really scared of him. It's like seeing right. him, uh, you know, a Percheron horse. Right. I, like, he was... He was giant. He was huge. He was. Yeah. He was and huge, I, I was absolutely. pretty little. I, I don't know, maybe eight. Oh, wow. He, he took his ring off, and he, was let, he let Owen and I... Oh, and me play with it, and mm -hmm. I get it over my hand, right over mm -hmm. my wrist. <laughs> oh, that's yeah. Uh, you know, I, I guess I didn't, you know, like a little a, a child's hand and hit mm -hmm. it. But I remember getting it over my my hand, and, and mm -hmm. then later we started to. I would see him out at my dad's beach, <laughs> uh, which mm -hmm. we had fired around that oh, wow. time. He loved right. going up there. Uh, and I, I talked to him and stuff. And he, I wasn't so terrified of, terrified of him anymore. <laughs> right. But really, was I when I saw him, I thought because I always felt my dad was invincible and unbeatable. Mm -hmm. But when I saw Andre, and you know, I'd hear sometimes through the just because the office, the wrestling office, was yeah. on the floor of the house where the bedrooms were and. I'd hear my mom talking about, you know, a particular wrestler was, was causing so many problems. And mm -hmm. and I thought, what would my dad do if Andre started causing problems? Like how, <laughs> you know, but they didn't have that kind of, yeah, had of any problems with Andre like, like that. Mm -hmm. But yeah, and we had, uh, there was um, Ted, the wrestling bear. He was... Uh, yeah, actually, he was a wrestler, but oh <laughs> you know, bears are natural <laughs> grapplers. You know, right. yeah. bear cubs uh, or two grown-up bears fighting. Mm -hmm. you, know, you know how to headlock and lock up and take down, and mm -hmm. um, so we had. To, there was a wrestler named um, uh, I think it was Mike Dubois. He was a, a legitimate mountain man, and he had adopted mm -hmm. this orphan bear, and. Um, he would wrestle uh, as uh, another source of income. I don't know if he'd take, have his seasons where he'd, or he started to make more money wrestling than what he was doing in the mountains. Mm -hmm. But he came through Calgary a few times, and it was kind of spring, summer, and mm -hmm. the bear, <laughs> whose name was Ted, mm -hmm. uh, you know, he couldn't stay at a hotel. So my dad put the bear up with the house in the, in the, the and <laughs> what was funny my mom didn't I don't think she knew that the bear was there but she didn't the house was so big it mm -hmm. was not like um like there are rooms in your house that you might not go in every day right. so, or if you're no if you don't drive or you never go anywhere you might not go in your garage but mm -hmm. my dad had like uh two uh two two car garages so they were four it was four cars but mm -hmm. ten, but you could drive right underneath the front of the house or the back of the house and um they were attached to the house so you go in the door and and then you're either in the uh right next to the dungeon or you're right mm -hmm. next to the uh incinerator room which was pretty neat too because not everybody has their own incinerator right but um yeah the bear was down there um and he would uh I was pretty little. I just vaguely remember the bear, but 
uh, I recall my brothers and sisters talking about Ted would mm-hmm. eat the ice cream. He'd come <laughs> come out from under the garage, like they'd, mm-hmm. they'd be sitting on the uh, porch, which mm-hmm. which was on top of the garage, and they'd have their feet dangling over the edge, right. and the ice cream was hot, or they it was hot out, and the ice cream's dripping, and I imagine just because my dad always liked to give you a lot of food, right. uh, <clears throat> it's probably dripping a lot and all over them. And anyway, the bear start, came out and started licking the ice cream, and they were all like, "That's intimidating, honestly." Like, yeah, yeah. No, it was. And he was a, a really nice bear. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't know um, if he had as an interesting a life uh, at other places. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Actually, I don't know when he went to other cities to wrestle not not for my dad but other promotions maybe montreal or something i wonder mm-hmm. where, where he stayed and what he what he did yeah. i i have a mm-hmm. feeling or i like to think that his time at my dad's house was the best of, of course yeah, yeah. I mean, that loved him you know nobody mm-hmm. absolutely no or anything in my dad's family mm-hmm. it's kind of neat uh, not neat but out of all of my brothers and sisters and um, their husbands, not a single hunter. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, but uh, Jim Neidhart did some fishing, though. Yeah. He was a fisherman. He liked to go hunt, uh, fishing with uh, Wade mm-hmm. Boggs. In, um, and, he, and he had his own boat and stuff. He'd mm-hmm. go catch. Uh, he caught a really... A really big bass, wide mouth bass that he was wow. proud of. But um, <laughs> I think Jim liked to fish more for the relaxation of it. Right, and not for the actual. Yeah. Just, just chill. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but um, so the Hall of Fame, like that's a very prestigious honor, and yeah, um, it's being postponed, but it will happen for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, we we had your your daughter Georgia Smith on. And we asked her the same question. What was your initial reaction when you found out the British Bulldog was being inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame? Uh, well, it was a, when I found out, it was, was really peculiar. Mm-hmm. Um, Harry was the one who was called first. And, uh, and I don't know how that came about. I gather it was WWE and maybe Natty knew something of it or told mm-hmm. Harry he needed to be home at a certain time or make sure his phone was near him when he got the call because it was, I don't know if Natty kept it a surprise, I'm not sure, but Harry got the news first and uh, he didn't tell us till till later that day when, he, when I got home from work and Georgia was home, I guess, from work too. Mm-hmm. And he started the conversation off in a really... And he told me something that I was kind of, I won't go into what he told me, but I mm-hmm. i was kind of happy about what he was saying, but I wasn't. It was like, mm-hmm. oh, this was the big news. It's kind of like somebody uh, saying they can't wait to tell you the big news. And then you get home and you're, you're waiting. And the, the big news is that, um, you know, they're, they're, gonna get their tooth filled mm-hmm. or something like it, I don't know it was more more than that though but it was something that so I was acting like I was happy because I, mm-hmm. I should have I mean it, I, it was uh, it wasn't quite like at news like Harry was gonna quit wrestling and become uh, an architect but it was something like that like uh, mm-hmm. and I remember just thinking oh okay and this was before COVID or anything mm-hmm. so I just but that wasn't I can't say what the news was because it makes it it uh it isn't you know, whatever you're comfortable with yeah. of course mm-hmm. uh, almost like he was going to get married to somebody that you weren't even you didn't even know when you, you were just yeah right kind of let down and yeah. I was just like oh okay well if that's what you want to do Harry I'm 
and he's like, yeah, I, I think it's going to be good. And I'm, and then I, I was just like, oh, okay. So he said, okay, so pour your glass. We got to, we got to toast to this. And I had my boyfriend, um, Tom, Tom Tortani, who's a, a former CFL uh, wide receiver, and mm-hmm. they retired his number. He's that good. So he, he's, he was there listening, and uh, so, and he doesn't drink, so he's, you know, I got him a Sprite, and, I, and I've mm-hmm. got, all I had was red wine. It's like, I don't have champagne, and, mm-hmm. and then, so we pour the, cla- the glasses, and Georgia's getting her glass, and then Harry goes, Okay, so we we'll raise a toast, and then he blurts out the news. Davey's getting inducted in the Hall of Fame this year. I was like, oh, my God. Oh, that's – but I was I was still kind of like – You're kind of unsure, right? Yeah. It was like, mm-hmm. like if I had been there with Harry, I would have given him a, a shake. Like, how did, how did you – how come you told it to me like that? But mm-hmm. Harry was uh, – that was his way of presenting this big news, and I could tell he was extremely happy about it. Mm-hmm. George was ecstatic. So um, then Harry proceeded to say, "It's um, I will be there, but I have to go to Japan the next day." Um, mm-hmm. And I, I was like, "Oh, well, that's that's a disappointment because I want it would have been nice if we'd been there for the whole." WrestleMania event from mm-hmm. celebration, mm-hmm. yeah, from fanfare, fan fest to the Hall of Fame to the <coughs> to everything. Mm-hmm. For sure. But yeah, um, yeah. speaking of British Bulldog a little bit, um, in 1992, you were at that year's SummerSlam in the crowd. Um, what was the atmosphere like? How did it see the um, how did it feel to see your brother and your uh, husband go at it and put on an all-time classic oh gosh it was um a real a real uh, culmination of intense feelings there was mm-hmm. i was um totally stressed out because i knew uh i knew they were going to work their hardest to make mm-hmm. it absolutely um, so i was Expecting one of them or both of them would come out with maybe uh, oh some injuries. Mm-hmm. Um, that that's legitimate because I've I've seen Brett and Davey when they when they put their they they've been hurt lots of times or they blow their sure. knee out or mm-hmm. and then, you know mm-hmm. I was overwhelmed I was stressed out I was fascinated I was captivated. Mm-hmm. I was a nervous wreck. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, Davy had had a staph infection that uh, was quite serious. Um, it was right. flesh eating, like a flesh eating disease in his left oh, knee, man. and mm-hmm. that was uh, just a. I mean, it was. It was like I don't know about six weeks before this happened, and mm-hmm. and they, you know, he was told he couldn't couldn't work out or do anything because that would stimulate where the infection was and draw blood to it. And then the, the okay, virus starts, right. yeah, it starts mm-hmm. to eat the flesh away. So, um, you know, he, and he was on really, really strong antibiotics, mm-hmm. you know, pretty much the only thing he could do was just go very easy in the swimming pool we had. And the, the water was, not bad. He couldn't go in anything too warm though, because it would just stimulate the. Stimulate. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, uh, I had been. Li- we went to England about uh, two weeks before, and we were staying at his mom's and dad's house, and they were, you know, of course, very pro Davy, and um, <laughs> you know, and I. And I kind of felt like I might a little bit like I was like I don't know I I just felt a little like around his mom and dad at that time like Mm -hmm. you know like how is this going to be if if Brett wins and we go back like they're they're going to be 
yeah. it's, it's true. I know pe- some people might think, oh, it's it's just wrestling, but that's... It was real, right? It, yeah. It, it felt was, real. It felt big, so... And absolutely. all those people, uh, they mm-hmm. sold that out in uh, 11 hours. Um, oh, wow. And that broke the record uh, that the British Telecom uh, system actually uh, uh, went down because they mm-hmm. had so many calls and... Um, it broke who the two people that had had the record for selling out the fastest um, for Wembley Stadium prior to SummerSlam was uh, it was Madonna and Michael Jackson. Mm-hmm. They broke that record and still printing merchandise on the spot at that show. They had a, a printing press like for sh- T-shirts, and they were printing printing uh, on the spot, so that like, they ran out of. Uh, but, but nobody really knew what to gauge it, how to mm-hmm. gauge it, because they hadn't done a pay-per-view uh, outside of, uh, I think they had done one in Canada. Yeah. Um, with Ultimate Warrior and Hulk Hogan, I think. That Toronto, was yep. Yeah. WrestleMania. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, this was their very first pay-per-view without Hulk Hogan, and it was in another country, and uh, a lot of firsts that uh, they they. The, it was done quite immaculately, um, mm-hmm. considering it was sort of uncharted territory. Right. I'm yeah. pretty happy. Yeah. I was proud of them both and uh, mm-hmm. felt. And I, I really haven't been, because I was a part of that and at, uh, mm-hmm. at ringside and treated the way I was uh, leading up to it and. Mm-hmm. I was treated as a vital part of this. The feud, um, right? Yeah. I, mm-hmm. It's, you know, to come out of it and, uh, you know, just, I don't know, it's like going to a really beautiful place for a holiday and then uh, afterwards you go to other places, but you always think of that, that one. Uh, that one place, place, right? Yeah. And I don't know that it can ever be, you know, you can't ever go back to it because it can't but, replicate uh, that. Yeah, yeah. You just can't. It's, it's hard it's, to be be um hard to come down. Like you know, when right. you, go to, you go to a an office job or something, and and you're having a. I, I mean, I could be having having a really off day or being uh, reprimanded for anything from. Uh, you know, my socks being too short, and you can see them under my pants. You can see the skin on my ankle. That was an actual issue I had at one workplace. Mm-hmm. Pant leg was, when I was sitting down, my pant leg was showing the ankle, and the sock wasn't covering it up. It's, you know, and then just, I just go back to like SummerSlam. It's like, whatever you. Yeah, that moment, that moment, that big moment makes you really feel like at ease. You know what I mean? Yeah. It makes yeah. you feel like, because you just live in the moment and like the crowd. Like, I go, I went back a couple of days. I watched that match and like when Davy Boy won, it was just like that crowd exploded. It was just like you know, like you know, it was it was so, crazy. But it's just a moment that cannot be replicated. Like, at all, yeah. Yeah. Go back it was to amazing. that. Like uh, you know, going back to some safe spot in your childhood or something, you know, when you're having, you feel like you're in despair or something like, mm-hmm. oh, but I'll, I'll go back to that. Even though I was, you know, terrified, uh, but I was, it's like I had a, I had something that whatever I'm being, uh, I don't know. It, it's kind of like my church. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. No. Yeah. You can always yeah. go back to that. Itself is mm-hmm. like my my church too. It's where my family is, and particularly uh, uh, WWE. I mean, I mm-hmm. felt like that. That's what my dad sold Stampede Wrestling, and his territory was was uh, it became an appendage of WWF then, and then mm-hmm. that's where my family went and Davey went and he did have uh, uh, you know like kind of romances uh, uh, 
you know, departures from WWF mm-hmm. and WCW, and he he was uh, godlike in Japan with the the Dynamite Kid. And yeah, was, absolutely. But the WWE is like, I feel like that's my uh, best memory. As long as it's the McMahons, and, mm-hmm. and I mean, if it was someone else. But, but I, I just, I feel a, a, a family uh, love, a family friendship. It's home, right. Absolutely. Yeah. You go With, back yeah, there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When I go in, um, there's usually somebody, maybe not the second I've walked in the arena, but there'll be somebody. I mean, I wouldn't be going there unless I was, you know, they invited me to do something. So usually there'd be somebody expecting me and i just go in and feel uh like i'm um it's like a big warm hug <laughs> yeah like right and, uh, i'm not delusional but i feel like mm-hmm. you know like like davy or owen or brett or i mm-hmm. just feel like that they're all there with me of course absolutely yeah definitely so um yeah, but like speaking of wrestling right now, uh, there's WWE still on top. We have AEW giving them a bit of competition. New Japan Pro Wrestling still around. Do you keep up with wrestling here and there? Like, what do you think of the modern day product? Um, I know things change. Like, it's part mm-hmm. of uh, survival. You you can't just stay. We can't stay in the. 80s and the 90s because that's where I felt at home but mm-hmm. uh, it's I, w- I was kind of hoping that with the coronavirus that it might have brought the wrestling just back a little bit to a little just retrain them some of the just to be a bit more old school where the yeah Mm-hmm. Where you're, you're not. The reaction of the crowd isn't isn't as important. I mean, if you're doing something that's worthy of a crowd reaction, then it will happen. But mm-hmm. there's so much I see everywhere that where they're they'll look at the crowd for nothing, like that they they did some move or something, and they you know, throwing their arms up and look. And right now there is no crowd, so... Mm-hmm. But yeah. they're still trained to do something, and then... Uh, and and to me, it's it's like, that wasn't that great. And I don't know, why are you looking at the crowd? You just get right, right. back into the, you know... Just focus on the match. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So you did a knee off the top rope onto someone's neck, and then you did a forward roll out of it, and then you got to look up at the crowd like... And these are this is the the good guys and the bad guys. Owen would do that sometimes to be aggravating when he was a a villain, you know, hmm. do something, and every few minutes he'd be like, "Whoa!" <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but there was a point there. I mean, the, there was uh, Owen's Owen was uh, successful in his uh, the purpose of it was to annoy the fans. But, right. Uh, yeah. He, he, but yeah. I just see, and then and also without contradicting myself but i also wish that the moves that they're doing that the wrestlers are doing that they would allow the fans even if they are not there but say watching it at home that they mm-hmm. would just give them a chance to react to it because it seems like there's because it's so fast paced right so fast it's like mm-hmm. in a movie like if you have uh this 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 uh you you don't have a chance you just lose yeah. track right yeah you know and i course. just wish they would because uh, they they can control things mm-hmm. or, you know, when, and if the guy's lying there you know like i remember steve austin and brett wrestling each other you know mm-hmm. brett would he'd have brett in the in the bottom rope the bottom turnbuckle and he'd just be like putting the boots to brett yeah and, and maybe only stop to switch hands to put them on the other side of the like the top rope the top rope yeah but he wouldn't uh there was no stalling and walking back and looking at the crowd and holding his hands up and then going back because that makes brett look stupid 
Like, mm-hmm. why would Brett? Why is Brett lying there? Right. Yeah. You know, like, like why wouldn't he get up and yeah, get up, do something, crawling? Right. But these these wrestlers think that, and that what they're doing is some of them uh, is just so lame. It's like you couldn't, you wouldn't crack an egg with that. And, it's uh, that time it, period. It's just, it's like what, mm-hmm. what, what are you? Who's teaching you, or who's telling you after your match that that was good? Like mm-hmm. I, I, I would, or you know. Oh, you get, I, I know it's just you know somebody gets hit with the chair and then you know two seconds later they're up and they're doing some crazy move off the top rope and, yeah and then the, the match is just there's just is there's no logic to it I think there's a lack of storytelling nowadays you know what yeah I mean? yeah they've lost that gift for it they lost that touch right yeah and... I, I just um, it's hard to <clears throat> Uh, hard to uh, get uh, uh, committed to. Uh, yeah, yeah. Sure. There are there are some great wrestlers out there though that I absolutely. I, 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 who, I enjoy watching think? AJ Styles and uh, yeah, I like Becky Lynch, um, uh, Tamina or Serona, uh, t- uh, Jimmy Snuka's daughter is pretty, yeah. Uh, and yeah. Natty. Natty's yeah, really great. Good. I would love to see Natty and and uh, Tamina. Um, they've wrestled a few times. I just I would love to see them in like a a sixty minute. <laughs> That'd be good. Yeah. That'd be. They, you know, with really uh, a lot of uh, chain wrestling and really solid stuff. Solid and, stuff, uh, right? Uh, yeah, they think I think they would tell a really good story. Um, I like uh, Nakamura. Oh, Shinsuke, Shinsuke Nakamura. Yes. He's great. Yes. He, he's he's quite comical, too. Like Strong yeah. style, yeah. He um, makes himself stand out, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I enjoy mm-hmm. watching watching him. Uh, he has that Michael Jackson touch to him. A lot he, of people say that. I, I really... Um, mm-hmm. He's one of my favorites, Um I, it's been so long since I've seen my son Harry wrestle. No, I don't. Yeah. Mean, I, I, I never did see any of his MLW stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really good though, for sure. Mm-hmm. He had a match, and it's on YouTube. Against uh, his match was against a guy named Vordell, V O R D E L L Walker. If you mm-hmm. ever have a chance to see it, it was in uh, South Carolina. Mm-hmm. Um, that was a uh, an incredible match, and they never met each other till uh, Harry got there late. He was flying in from Calgary, and he mm-hmm. he um well, he, you know got there about right. not not a lot of time to spare. And he said Vordell uh, saw him and handed him a bottle of water, and um, you know I don't know went went to get dressed or something, and then they basically went out there without. Having said much more than a, a salutation, you know, hello, mm-hmm. good, nice to meet you. I'm Harry. I'm Bordell. Uh, what a good match! Was, of course, yeah. I would. Uh, I would love to see more matches like that. Um, yeah. It was just a, a simple uh, finish at the end. Uh, it was unpredictable, like Davies and Brett's ending yep. in um, SummerSlam. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. It's, Trying to think. Oh, I love Drew. Uh, Drew McIntyre. Yes, He's very yeah. good. I love Drew and Randy Orton. Um, Randy's so good. Yeah. I think everybody can learn a lot from Randy Orton in yeah. terms of storytelling. Yeah. yeah. He's he uh, learned from. I mean, well, he he's got his own style. He's not a, a, a duplicate of his father or his grandfather. Mm-hmm. But I I really think that it's in Randy's. Uh, I mean, he's a, he's a natural athlete, big guy. Absolutely. Um, but he, he's got a great mind for, for wrestling and telling mm-hmm. a story. Absolutely. Um, I've seen him in a couple of movies. Um, I can't remember what I think 12 rounds. 12 rounds, too. <laughs> and that he was uh, he was bald in it. So he, yeah, I think that was yeah. a movie. Yep. I was impressed with his um, 
Yeah, he can he can really go like whatever you put the test on him, he'll deliver no matter what. You know what I mean? So yeah, yeah, he's really got that in him. He's got that it factor. Chris Jericho as well. Mm-hmm. So he's, he's always been like pretty good. I, I um I I always thought John Cena worked hard in the ring. I didn't see that. Uh, I I um. Saw one match with John Cena live. I didn't. I wasn't at that many shows where I could get a seat and you know watch mm-hmm. it in the crowd. Mm-hmm. But I happened to be in Florida, and John Cena was uh, main event. Um, it might have been a pay per view. Do you remember who it was against, or uh, what year? I feel like I remember. Was, it was the same match. This one didn't impress me, but it was with uh, Michael Cole and. In the bubble wrap match against Jim Ross. Oh, it was 2011. Oh, oh. I think it was 2011. 2011, 2012, something like that. Yeah. uh, Yeah. And it was, and that night, uh, they had, um, they announced that Osama bin Laden had been, or what? That was over the limit. That, yeah. Guys had been, uh, that was was me. Osama bin Laden, it was one of the, one of his head, guys have been captured yeah yeah and, i remember that okay yeah and that kind yeah, of yeah. Like, so that, that it was one of the main guys to mm-hmm. one of osama bin laden's uh, right hand men right. and um john cena was pretty excited about that at the end of the on top mm-hmm. of doing great but i hadn't seeing him watch live um from a pretty good seat i i really appreciated his his uh Work ethic. I, I'm just talking wrestlers now. That mm-hmm. uh, yeah, retired, but guys that are current. Cena um, was always really good. I I felt like I I felt like it was almost similar. Like when he was the face of the company, him and Brett. I know a lot of people wouldn't see this, but like with the crowd reaction, I feel like they kind of had it the same way because. And there was times when Brett was also getting like a negative crowd reaction. If he was in the States, yeah, if he was in the States, he would get booed. But if he was in Canada, he would get cheered and praised like a hero because, you know, he's Canadian. And I love that because it it felt real back then. It really felt like it was larger than life. Yeah, it was. It was uh, was pretty amazing. And Mm -hmm. then they, they had the same, like, Sean would come across to, to Canada and he'd get, you know, he'd booed, get booed. booed out yeah. of the building. And then, <laughs> and then it was such a weird dynamic. Right, and, yeah. You know, those Absolutely. guys, they, they built that. Like, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Brett and Sean had to have that kind of chemistry. Like, the, the tension between the two of them was so, um, um, well, it was, it, it was extreme. And, uh, but you know, you need it, it was a really great group uh, of wrestlers like it was Sean and um, for a while Kevin Nash and uh, yeah. Scott Hall. Uh, oh, yeah, Steve Austin, he was kind of brought in into it. And Ken Shamrock, uh, Brian Pillman as well. He was he was oh. really good, Man. yeah. That yeah. I remember the hard foundation against the. It was Goldust, uh, Ken Shamrock, Road Warriors, Steve Austin, uh, and then yeah. the whole Hart Foundation, yeah, Canadian Stampede. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. it was pretty. Uh, yeah, it was. It was. It was real and uh, yeah. hard to. Oh God, you know all those all those guys. They worked so hard and they yeah. got into their role. It's like. Like, uh, you know, Robert De Niro really getting into his, his mm-hmm. role and something like you can tell that they're they're in the zone. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, I, I have to give Sean sure. Michaels a lot of credit for uh, uh, the, I, you know, some great matches that Davey had with Sean and uh, Brett had with Sean. Um, mm-hmm. It was. Uh, you know, it, it does help when the guy you're wrestling is, uh, uh, you know, also good. Sean is quite yeah. a perfectionist. He, mm-hmm. he, he he worked hard as well. So, mm. 
regardless yeah, of what their issues were outside of the ring, they they uh, they worked their. They worked, yeah. They worked hard. They worked really hard. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I'm um, switching gears a little bit. Um, we interviewed uh, Tyson Kidd and Georgia Smith, and we'd also we'd always ask them, um, who was the funniest like heart member? And they would always tell us it was Owen Hart with all the ribs. Do you have any Owen Hart stories to tell us? Uh, oh, yeah, gosh. Oh, I mean, man. they're funny. I don't know if you'll find them funny, but he was just, he was so, uh, like, Buster Keaton. Like, you mm-hmm. know, always doing something that, you know, take a spill down the stairs and on purpose or just do something and you're so so improv like mm-hmm. um i remember in hawaii this was like 1980 maybe uh my best friend allison hall she she and i were in hawaii and on the beach my brothers dean and bruce were there and owen was mm-hmm. there and for no reason owen just picked <laughs> picked allison hall up and body slammed her <laughs> sand <laughs> It's so funny. And, you know, he's careful with her, but she was like, it was just so random. It was right? just so funny, you know. And, yeah. And he used to put. Uh, uh, my dad always made our lunches, and you know, very thoughtful with his lunches. But mm-hmm. uh, you know, put in a big uh, roast beef sandwich with lots of butter and mayonnaise and hot mustard and this really thick rye bread, like not thick sliced, but that it was a thick like the piece of bread weighed like a pound and um you know you could always see the oil (laughs) stains coming through the paper bag and um and there'd be like an apple and that but owen i somehow would get into my lunch bag before i would at the and i was president of the students council so i'd get my lunch open it up and owen would have like a a potato in there that had the eyes the roots you know, uh, was, uh, and you know, he just burst out laughing, or he put a, uh, <laughs> a screwdriver in there, or a rusty wrench, and Allison, <laughs> and you know, he just burst out laughing, and no, mm-hmm. nobody got it though in the lunchroom. It was or at the students' council meeting, the principal was very dry. She didn't see the humor in this at all. It was just, right. and uh, the other. You know, people are waiting to take the minutes, you know, get go. you know, let's get down to business. And I just mm-hmm. laughing. But, uh, yeah, he was, uh, uh, trying to think what, uh, he was uh, another friend of mine named Caprice, another uh, best friend of mine who ended up marrying a wrestler named Steve, mm-hmm. Steve DeSalvo, um, she always had a huge crush on Owen from, from <laughs> childhood. And we, we were mm-hmm. neighbors. We were, she and her, her family owned an Arabian horse farm. And oh, my wow. dad had his place. We were, I don't know, they must have had 50 acres. Anyway, she, when she was in grade 10, Owen was in grade 12. And um, she, she always had a, a a huge crush on him so he bought owen at the they had a slave day to raise money for the school and so she mm-hmm. bought owen as her slave <laughs> he just <laughs> owen was so you know oh like, so God. non-conforming yeah. just so you know she paid a hundred dollars for him too which was a lot oh wow, oh, wow. That's, that's a lot yeah like mm-hmm. i don't know 83 maybe yeah. um yeah, it was worth and a lot of money back then. He did, you know, he just, he, she paid the money for him, and I think she ended up driving him home from, no, no, he drove her home from school. That if We were neighbors. He would have done that anyway, but she mm-hmm. didn't get, but she got the notoriety of, of Owen was her slave for the day, but, you know, <laughs> he, uh, he, he just, it wasn't really, that's not really that funny a story. It's just that mm-hmm. Owen was so non-conforming. You know, he'd come down yeah. to the ring sometimes. If, if you ever noticed in some of his TV matches, he'd wear his hair really funny. Like sometimes he'd have it all 
wetted down in front, like just like straight down. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, he oh, just yeah. he just do things that, uh, you know, if you weren't sure, you you might just think Owen, you know, didn't have a clue, but he, Owen knew everything. He knew everything. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Called him the rocket yeah. for a reason. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. But uh, switching gears a little bit, um, on our podcast, we really like to tap into mental health. So if you're comfortable sharing, of course, have you ever struggled with your mental health? And for anybody who's listening that could be struggling, what advice would you give to them? Oh, yeah, that's a, I'm glad you asked um, because, yeah, I, I do struggle a lot with mm-hmm. uh, depression and anxiety. Um, I have since mm-hmm. 1999 since uh, wow. that's a little before it started um just a little before owen died but um Mm -hmm. and then it just it it just uh catapulted into something much uh like out of my control um after owen died and just a kind of an endless series of uh things but you don't have to have uh death or you know you can have what appears to be the idyllic, idyllic life and uh, mm-hmm. suffer from depression. You could be considered the funniest person in the world, like Robin Williams and Amazing, yeah, uh, tragedy. You just yeah. So uh, a lot of people think they have to have a, a, a to come forward with the the fact that they are depressed. They they maybe don't because they feel they don't have the right to be. That was part of my problem for a long time, and if mm-hmm. I ever mentioned it, I—I I mean, we're going back over 20 years, so I know that back then, it, when it was brought up to, you know, friends or someone that kind of knew me, uh, they wouldn't understand why I would be. What on earth could possibly be troubling me? Like, and that made me feel like. almost like guilty like and that doesn't help yeah. just over, it just yeah. compounds anyone 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 could have it you know it's anyone okay. we're all human struggle. beings and right so i think mm-hmm. we all have to just be accepting of each other and just kind of yeah. help each other you know what i mean especially during this time like the world is in a tough place but we just gotta we have to stick together you know we gotta have like you know unity and just come together you know what i mean yeah, you have to um, understand that maybe the mm-hmm. um, not everybody is uh, not everyone's strong. Not everyone is like solid steel, but it's okay to you know feel things, you know, because we're all human beings and we all go through struggles. And but it's okay, yeah. you know. At the end of the day, we just have to be. We have to be self-aware of it. And just kind of be accepting that we have these things so we can get the help that we need. You know what I mean? And yeah. move from there. Yeah. If you, if you can surround yourself with uh, good people or a, positive things also. Yeah. Even if it's just one. I, my animals are extremely um, therapeutic for me. They, mm-hmm. But... Uh, I do take medications. I've been on different medications um, over my uh, what seems like a lifetime with it. But um, and don't mm-hmm. don't feel uh, let's see pissed off or what? Because uh, some people just don't get it that you're that if you don't, that, yeah. um, they just that's that's. Uh, it's like uh, it's it's and it is a disease. Like like diabetes is a disease, and you mm-hmm. need to do the right do things that are um, uh, you know help you to you know you yeah. you know you're you're supposed to. If in some cases you need to take insulin, in some cases you need to take you do um, what you gotta do. antidepressants, yeah. and you maybe shouldn't eat these things and don't get stressed out um but uh you know people don't understand that with depression and anxiety they think 
they don't treat it as something like like diabetes. They that that seems to get like validation. But if you say you've got a, uh, you know, you just oh well, there like there have been times um, where I've just felt paralyzed, like I just can't can't uh, can't do anything, yeah. can't get out of my my bedroom. Mm-hmm. I don't know what I'm not. I'm not scared of. I just, I just feel uh, in a state of despair, and mm-hmm. I don't. And I, it's not like I woke up thinking, oh, I want to uh, feel doomed today. I, it's just, and that can go on for a few weeks. And this COVID hasn't helped that. Um, right. um, but I, I, I think you know, I've heard a few people kind of scoffing about the depression rates have gone up because of the COVID. COVID, yeah. It's like, well, it's it's true. Like it is, yeah. I mean, yeah. It it and I, I just they just don't seem to think that that's. Uh, and it's like, well, how 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 are you? You know, the person that might be saying this to me is, it, I'm like, well, how are you feeling? Well, I feel I feel lousy. Mm-hmm. It's like, well. Well, there you go. Like, but they—they're like, well, that's not because I'm depressed. It's because of the COVID. It's like, well, let's look at it. If you are depressed and you are sort of under a house arrest, you don't know where anything is going right now with the COVID and this pandemic. That's—it—it's actually controlling the whole world. It's not like even like a in a war where it's like you're a country's involved in a war, but you know, someone over in 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 a city that isn't involved in the war isn't really experienced. Right. But this is ex- is experienced everywhere. I don't know who right. who hasn't been affected by this, unless you're uh, living on a deserted island. Like I really don't know what part of the world has not been affected by. I this. think it's affected everyone. In, yeah, it's affected so, everyone in some way or some sort because. Like you said, um, Georgia and Harry are in Florida, and you're in Canada, right? Yeah. So you know, it's it's affecting you, and you don't even have it. So it affects everyone in different, you know, ways exactly. and stuff like that. So, but I think we'll we'll all pull through eventually, and but yeah, it'll, it'll be it'll be it'll be coming to an end soon. Yeah. 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 Someone's asked me, um, you know, if what if it didn't end, and uh, it's like I. I don't know, but I mean that—that that is kind of like when you get depressed, you start to think that that along those lines, like yeah. this is never going to end. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be like this, and what's what's the the point? And then, well, anyway, yeah, it's depression is is uh, I find it. Uh, Being around good people and ha- having a a project, it can mm-hmm. help. Or something like like me talking to you guys today. Like uh, yeah. otherwise, I don't know what I would. I might have just. Uh, I mean, this this gave me this. Th- there was a point to this day, but uh, yeah, of course. This is to help you know other people too, because this podcast was started to like. It was just an idea, but then, you know, it became much more, you know, it became something about mental health because, you know, I like talking about it. I'm really passionate about this and pro wrestling. Yeah. So it's like you combine those two things and you get this podcast and it's a great platform for people like you to share your stories and Georgia and TJ and and many others. Everybody. Right. Yeah. Not just professional wrestlers, but anyone really. Anyone. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, It's, Mm -hmm. um, uh, uh, a very uh, medicinal thing that you're doing. Yeah. Helpful. Yeah, appreciate that. <laughs> yeah. But um, once again, if you are comfortable, um, do you have any idea what mental health struggles that the British Bulldog, Bret Hart, Owen Hart, or any members of the Hart family struggled with while being on the road? Um, I don't know what they... can't really say what they may have uh 
I know Davey got very uh, depressed after uh, his he broke his back, and then his mm-hmm. his sister died just before that of mm-hmm. uh, yeah. cancer. Oh, wow. Then he broke his back. Well, it was around the same time, and then his mom died, and then Owen died. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was. Uh, I think you know he he was uh, quite dependent on painkillers, but I think that uh, the painkillers helped numb his emotional pain, which yeah. I understand a lot better now. At that time, I mean, I was only maybe in the second, third year of my depression battles, and uh, mm-hmm. I didn't really understand how painkiller could help your emotional pain. I I just felt painkiller is something to to cover up uh, yeah. your your broken back and mm-hmm. get your back fixed you need to go to therapy and uh, get an operation or something I, right. but I, I think the Davies uh, uh, opiate addiction was to uh, help him cope with a- absolute emotional uh, 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 like I guess just being away on the road kind of takes a toll as well because you're not seeing your family as much and you're doing TV tapings too but there's always uh, there's always uh, house shows as well so it's, it's a tough schedule to travel oh, yeah. yeah it's yeah, hard it it's they, really hard yeah mm-hmm. they had to I mean, I don't know how the wrestlers did it. Uh, yeah. I mean, like, they, they have their life on the road, which is mm-hmm. brutal schedule, and it's very competitive. And um, um, yeah. a lot of things that, you know, when you're in the ring, you know, that, that might, in some ways, might be the easier part of it. The mm-hmm. other stuff, you know, the, the roads, the driving on the roads and the and the just so much pressure so uh, much it's too and much. then you've got to come home and and it's another life and um you you know you just want to go you just want to rest and yes. you can't because you're i mean some can but i just mm-hmm. i remember davy had a young family and me and sometimes this mom and dad from england and he felt like you know he was he felt uh like it was his sole responsibility to, you know, as soon as I get off the road, I gotta, you know, I'm, I'm, uh, I gotta take care of, I gotta take everyone to Disney World, or I gotta, mm-hmm. I never quit, I don't stop, you know. And he, he tried so hard. He was a good man, yeah. He, he definitely. Was. He was a really definitely. nice guy. Was. Yeah. Um, Absolutely. So I, I, I don't. I, you know, he, he had a. A good um, foundation and at home, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. you know, we had good kids, and I was, uh, you know, I loved Davy. I was infatuated with him. Uh, mm-hmm. I adored him, and you know, we we had our spats for sure. And, but which, and Davy was always so funny. He reminded me of John Cleese and Paul Tower sometimes when the and he, he called me Sybil because I, or, you know, make a remark during a fight yeah. that we were having, and it was just something, and it would have been something right out of Faulty Towers. And, uh, <laughs> right. you know, you, you can't help it. A- after, like, maybe an hour later, it's like, God, he's so funny. But you just, time, yeah, you can't stay mad at him forever. But um, he had such a good sense of humor, and I think my, my, uh, brothers and sisters did and I I on the road they had each other and at home we were still family so mm-hmm. in Calgary it would have been Davy and Dynamite and the network at my dad's house and then down at BJ's gym was my sister Georgia's husband and her gym um mm-hmm. and, you know you're always in around Owen and you're always around like so you were made, whether you realized it or not, but you were accountable for things that you were doing. Um, yeah. 
and when you're around a, a group of people like them, you you don't want to be uh, the um, the di- you don't want to be you don't want to disappoint them or be uh, mm-hmm. and uh, and I don't know. It just seemed like everybody was helping everyone, and you just mm-hmm. and then in Florida it was the instead of having my dad's house and that it was uh, the hub we had down there with Ellie and Jim Neidhart and their kids and you know we met people good people through them and you know we'd go to uh, Hulk Hogan's birthday parties and <laughs> hang out with the the new wrestlers now which were the WWF wrestlers it wasn't the Stampede Wrestling group anymore and Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. You just want to like be you just just it didn't seem it certainly wasn't in Davy's constitution to be a guy dragging his feet or complaining or yeah. acting fool. So he, he just he always had a good head on his shoulders until. Well, I don't know. He did. I really think it was. After. uh his mom died, which was not that long before. Well, she died in February, and then Owen died in May. And yeah, he's sorry. I think he he was heartbroken after. He was pretty devastated with a lot of my nephew Matthew when he died and stuff. But it, it, his mom's death was really hard for him. And then Owen mm-hmm. and yeah. I. Just, uh, but, you know, at that point, um, Vikram, he wasn't really on the road that much. He was yeah. wrestling with WWF. Or, yeah, they were still WWF then. And then uh, things just seemed to get out of control, and, and uh, they took him off the road. And yeah. he just <clears throat> kind of, uh, he just went a different way for for a while. And, right. Yeah. I guess that's how he, I, I don't know if he had it. I mean, when you were, you mentioned other names with, with Brett and Owen and I don't really know how, if they had depression or anything on the road, I, but when Davey and I were together and he was, you know, doing that heavy, that brutal schedule, especially in the eighties. Um, mm-hmm. I don't recall him being depressed. It didn't, happened from what I could see until after uh, he left WWF and went to WCW for the in 1998 and yeah. then I I could see he wasn't happy and then oh, he definitely. hurt and yeah. then it just it was a unfortunate tragic uh, uh, domino effect or snowball effect it just got worse and worse and worse yeah, because you got the Montreal screw job, and then mm-hmm. that whole thing was documented on the Rusty mm-hmm. with Shadows. He, yeah. he wanted he wanted to be loyal to the WWE. He wanted to stay. He really wanted yeah. to stay, but you know things just didn't work out, and you know it just kind of snowballed into this big thing. And yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 